less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor, Deep Dive. Martin, you have uh, you have an issue going on in your house with coffee because there's decaf and there's caffeinated. Right. But only one coffee maker, right? Right. And I'm that coffee maker, so it's caffeinated. <laughs> no, no you, you're mocking me because for a good 45 minutes, I decided, well, I'll try to cut caffeine out. And then I changed my mind. <laughs> for how long, you said? 45 minutes? If Maybe 30 minutes. You went and bought a bunch of decaf? Not a bunch, but a little thing of de- decaf. Is it is it empty now? No. <laughs> it's basically full just sitting there? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I did quit. When I ran great elevators, we'd start at 6 in the morning, and I had a, one of those big things that you see at weddings, you know, giant coffee maker, like 30 or 50 cups. All these farmers would come in every morning, drink coffee, and leave. And so I made, I, I, one day I counted, I drank 26 cups of coffee. <laughs> no. <laughs> little cups, little styrofoam okay. cups. But still, that's a lot of coffee. Well, it was an interesting number. Yeah. But Probably didn't drink it all, you know, it'd get cold, throw it out. But anyway, yeah. 26. Man, that's bad. Um, Why is it bad? That's you, you don't judge me. I mean, anything in mo- everything needs moderation. Well, it could have been 150. <laughs> it could have been 150. So that was moderation. Well, you're you're going off the path of where I was hoping to go with no, this. No, you were but... trying to ridicule and criticize me, and I <laughs> deflected it. No, but you, you had an issue with your decaf experiments because... You only had one coffee maker, right. the percolator, and you would have to make two rounds of coffee, one for you and one for Diane, because she wouldn't drink the decaf, right? Right. That was oh, I see where you're going. Okay. Are we talking about a bottleneck, limited capacity, having to make a choice? <laughs> okay. Well, eventually I was going to be talking in, uh, about the differences between builders and homeowners, which is really the highlight I, of our... I see the segue. Decaf, that's, that's the segue, but for the most part... I think uh, there's not necessarily decaf and caffeinated with that, but there's a big difference in decaf and caffeinated. Um, this has completely gone to garbage. So let's just go into this. Right, then. right. So what are we talking about today? Talking about builders versus homeowners. Right. Uh, we're talking about what it's like to work directly with homeowners. And the reason why this came up is there are so <clears throat> there's so much demand right now for housing. And... There's a shortage in the market. Prices are through the roof. Inflation's happening. All these different things are going on. Uh, but for a remodeler or a subcontractor, um, they don't have to work directly with the builder anymore. They can go directly to the homeowner much easier than they probably could have in the past. Because in the past, the builders had a majority of the work and it was a whole nother strategy to go directly to homeowner and you weren't guaranteed the work as much as you were with the builder because you can see, Oh, there's the job. I'm going to bid it and I've got it. Um, so now there's all this opportunity out there and there's good opportunities. We're going to talk why they're good opportunities, but, uh, this came up with some contractors this week. And so that's why we've got it as one of our topics today. So, um, there's a lot of differences between builders and homeowners. I think we're going to cover a majority of them today, but in general, what is the biggest difference in your eyes between working with a builder versus working with a homeowner? Well, there's only 
biggest is a superlative and there can only be one biggest so well what are some there of the are a couple of the well one one of the first ones is that builders are in business and they tend to bet on their pencil mm -hmm. right so that means your bid has to be competitive and it has to work and and they are aware right. of the cost uh homeowners are making an emotional decision yep and i don't mean they're uh, quivering and fragile but they're doing something for emotional reason mm -hmm. they also want to bet on their they're not betting on their principal but they're paying attention but if you can deliver what satisfies their emotion you can have higher margins <clears throat> higher margins and higher prices uh, then you get working with builders. That's that's one of the big things. Betting on a pencil versus betting on emotion. Yeah. Not to say builders aren't emotional. <laughs> and not to say that homeowners don't bet on their pencil. But in general, that's a huge difference. That's a big difference for sure. And, th and that comes out in a lot of different ways too. There's different things like, you know, you're probably going to be working with handful, dozen or so builders as a contractor right. or GCs. And then with the homeowners, you could be working with dozens, you know, almost hundreds well you're you eventually establish a relationship with builders when exactly. you work with them over time uh can be good or bad whatever but you do establish a relationship you come to learn each other's predilections and how they work and how things go every time you go meet a home a homeowner you're starting a new um building relationship mm -hmm. so uh <clears throat> in some respects not entirely, but in some respects, you get the repository of goodwill over time with builders, mm -hmm. and you have to start again every time with homeowners. You can have referrals and warm leads and things like that, and maybe you'll do two projects over the years, but most people aren't going to build, replace their kitchen 50 times yeah. a year, whereas a builder might give you 50 homes a year. Exactly. And there are differences uh, in types of contractors. If you are doing more service work, then yes, you can have a customer, uh, homeowner as a repeat business, but it's not likely if you're doing a good job that you're going to have to go back every single year, hopefully. Um, and so while those differences are there, um, for the most part, it is that big ticket that happens one time, right. maybe two in the lifetime of that customer. But what's really important with homeowners is referrals and they how one job can lead to another job. And we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, so the first thing that I want to start with is the difference in the sales process with a homeowner mm -hmm. versus with a builder. Um, with a builder, they're extremely knowledgeable of the job. They know what's going on. But with a homeowner, this could be the first time they're having their kitchen remodeled in their life. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of questions that come up, a lot of education that has to happen during the sales process. And if you're not prepared for that, it can become overwhelming and you can spend a lot of your time educating one-to-one -one rather than actually going and winning work and doing the work. Um, what are some of the biggest hangups that you see for contractors when they work with homeowners versus builders? Well, there are a lot of, I may be <clears throat> just restating what you just said, but it's a lack of understanding. Yeah. Um, I want new kitchen cabinets or I want my living room resheet rocked or put an ad on something like that they're aware that you have to put wood concrete and wood and build a room and add on but maybe they don't realize you have to add on to the HVAC or that you have to increase the size of your power panel I mean, they just don't understand yeah and not only in the product that they're getting but they also don't understand things like scheduling mm -hmm. um, they well why can't you start from how many <laughs> times these 
you see people who are non-contractors and it's not a good thing, but you drive along and you see five guys standing with a shovel and one guy in the hole working. Okay. Well, that's not a good process, but people say, well, the contractors are lazy. Well, no, that's not lazy. That's the difficulties, you know. Well, we didn't know we were going to hit a water line. we got to get the plumber in there. He's got to fix it before we can do anything else. Right. So builders tend to understand that. They're not going to excuse it. Sure. Uh, they're going to keep the heat on. They, don't, they, don't, they understand that. Homeowners, if it rains today, then you ought to be back out there tomorrow, right? <laughs> well, no, ma'am. Or it rains for a week. Well, it's going to be two weeks before we can get back because we have to go to another job. Well, you're not paying attention to me. I don't understand. Well, you're right. You don't understand. <laughs> Doesn't mean that's a lot of what we can do to be really good at it is yeah. to remove those impediments. But I think that's the number one thing. They haven't been through it before um, and they don't understand. Yeah. Builders may, they understand. <laughs> they, they may not give you a pass, but they know. Yeah. Right? Most of them. Yeah, and I think with a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge comes poor expectations. Right. Right. And or with home, maybe too high. Too high of expectations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just poor, just misaligned expectations. Right. Misaligned. And I think for a lot of homeowners, if they have those expectations clearly up front, it can completely change the nature of the relationship, the fluidity of the project, and just how happy they are at the end. Uh, and so it's really about getting those expectations set out up front. And a lot of that happens through the qualification of the customers mm -hmm. because, I mean, you have a story about one of your clients going out and going to bid yeah. a job. And Two weeks ago, uh, Kerry Daniels, he's, a, he's on an early episode. He's a pool yeah. builder. And we were laughing, laughing, but it wasn't really funny. He had gone out to a, a kind of a remote, you know, 30-mile-away job to bid, walked around with the guy, took some measurements, and, Guy said, what do you think it's going to cost? And he said, eh, I don't really know. He said, well, I already got a bid for 27000 And Carrie looked at him and said, for what you want, it's going to be at least three times that amount. And the guy said, well, if you can't compete, and, you know, that's about when your smoke starts coming out your ears. And he just, he wasted a day. Yeah running over there. So it's a qualification process. Yeah. Um, everybody kind of knows that, but do we really do that? Yeah. What does this actually cost? Yeah. I mean, that's something that should be addressed right up front with the right. homeowner. Uh, because if you're not doing that and you're spending all the time driving out there, yeah, maybe that's part of your sales process. You don't say the price up, there, up front, but you need to have some sort of expectation or else you're going to be wasting time. Well, I have an old story. It's a different business uh, web development, but had a mutual, you and I have a mutual client who used to do that. He's in a different area of it IT now, yeah. but um, he would get calls all the time. It, sophisticated web development, the stuff that keeps inventory for you and changes colors when you go from this shirt to that shirt. You yeah. know, you can see it in green and blue and, and uh, keeps inventory and you can do e-commerce. Those are complex sure. websites. And people would call up and say, how much for a website? I said, well, you know, in this... $35,000. Are you kidding me? My brother-in-law's nephew could, <laughs> did one for my, you know, for 500 bucks. Said, Fine. So I, I suggested, I think he actually did it before he quit being a developer, but found a website where at the top in the banner, it was web developers. And it said, our average website cost $104,351.80. And then the figures moved like it was updating constantly, which it wasn't. But our average website costs $100,000. Do not bother, you know, what yeah. it's telling you is don't bother me. Uh, 
calling up with your 350, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you, right? So they put it out there. And one thing remodelers can do in their website, because you don't want to go out and somebody wants a kitchen and they thought they could get it for, you know, $4,000 and you wasted your time. One, one of the things you can do is on your website, I think you do this, but you can have uh, groupings. Yep. You can have a series of photographs with one, with a thumbnail that demonstrates yep. what you're talking about and say kitchens from from twelve to $28,000. Yep. And the next one, uh, you know, from 28000 to 75000 And then from 75000 to infinity mm-hmm. and have pictures of those. Yep. And somebody who comes on realizes I should have used pools instead of clock, uh, uh, cabinets, but um, a guy who, who's looking for a $27,000 pools notices there's not one on there. Yeah. Right. You don't have to tell him you're a cheapskate hoser you and you're not going to get it. You can let him deselect himself. Right. And, that, and that's really what's really good about marketing uh, whenever you're at this stage and you're going directly to homeowners is that it will qualify people for themselves. Right. Right. Self deselect. It'll self deselect. And you only want to be educating the qualified buyers right. that are out there. Uh, something that <clears throat> is really helpful during the sales process. Uh, there's two, two examples here. One of them we know from Marcus Sheridan, a uh, great book. They ask you answer, but he's a pool. He was a pool builder as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that he has for his salespeople is they send over five minute video via email to any new leads that are coming in before they meet with them. And, and the email, it says, we will not meet with you unless you watch this right. video. And then they, they ask him before they schedule the meeting, did, were you able to watch the video? And if they say no, it's like, okay, well, we can't schedule the meeting yet. Well, they, yeah, they'll reschedule. They'll reschedule. So they let them, yeah, they let them deselect themselves. But at in that, that video, it covers a lot. It aligns the expectations. Right. It says clearly, hey, this is how long it's going to take. We're going to destroy your yard. You're responsible for your sprinkler right. system and your fence. This is the average price of a pool. And here's what makes it go up. Here's what allows it to be that low, right? Um, and all those different things so that now whenever they go into a, a meeting or a sales call, they've already been qualified through all of the biggest hangups that happen during projects. Another example that uh, we have done for multiple clients is an ultimate buyer's guide is what we call it internally. We name them all differently for each company, but internally we call it an ultimate buyer's guide. And essentially in this ultimate buyer's guide, you're going through every single question that a homeowner might have during the process of this of sales and during the process of production, construction, whatever it is you're doing from beginning to end. It outlines the entire process, every single step. And it's not just consolidation into three steps. Some of them might have 12 steps that are super long and it, it details every single one, all the frequently asked questions, all the potential obstacles that happen. Um, you know, anything that a homeowner might ask is in that buyer's guide. And so they can read that on their own time. If there's something that's not in the buyer's guide that comes up, it's something that's updated with that new mm-hmm. update of information that's new to the to the uh, buyer's guide that wasn't in there before. So that those are both really helpful documents. Uh, maybe that video that you send over for somebody to watch, but also that buyer's guide that also can ask as a really good training tool for salespeople, right? It's not, it, there's multiple purposes to it, but that content is really valuable and, and helping with homeowners. With a builder, you don't necessarily need that, <laughs> right? There are some things that you probably do want to have, right? Maybe a positioning document, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, you do want to be really clear on, you know, 
what your capabilities are, what your processes are, what your timing is, what, you know, what goes into your bid, what's not included in your bid, et cetera. But you don't necessarily need an ultimate buyer's guide because you're going to develop a relationship with that builder most likely. That's the goal at least. And you're going to get to know how each other work and you can figure some of the nuances out as you go. Yeah, you don't have to have a buyer's guide working with or a, a positioning document uh, when working with the builder, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt because at all. it lays out expectations. Uh, you you talked about the video that Sheridan talks about sending out in advance. Then they would call up and say, "Did you have a chance to watch the video?" They said no. They said, "Well, we need to reschedule." Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. He tells in his book his conversion rate went from thirty percent to like 60% when they did that. Yeah. That they weren't, you know, oh, I didn't have time. And I think they were longer than five minutes. They were about 30 minutes. So it oh, was okay. a real, it was a real commitment. Sure. But if you want a swimming pool. It's a commitment. Yeah. If you want a swimming pool, though, you love watching it. Sure. Right? If you're interested. Very in educational. But a uh, positioning document takes what might have been in that video, all the things that can't go wrong and, and uh, do and don't, you know, the impact of things because they don't understand. Yeah. It might restate a lot of what's in the video, but it's also in writing where you say to the customer, this is in the qualification phase. This is what you can expect from us. Mm-hmm. And this is what we will expect from you. Yep. So it's, you don't just tell them what you're going to expect from them. You tell them what we will return your calls within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, we will post update you on progress every Friday. I mean, that's a great thing. Every remodeler can do when working with the public. Most of them don't do it because it's hard. It is hard. It's getting to be easier with the software like Jobber and stuff where you sure. pre-program stuff. But, or portals where they can get in and see. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're advise you immediately if we can't keep the schedule. We're going to tell you what the schedule is, advise you immediately if we can't. That's what we're going to do. Here's what we expect from you, that you make material and color selections on time. You acknowledge that a one-day, you know, a one-day delay on choosing the color of your tile might cost a three-week delay in getting your project done because we're going somewhere else right we expect you to pay the invoices uh within two days Mm -hmm. we expect that you call us back if we call you was you know if you see a problem or have a problem we expect you to call us anyway but it's based on your experience if you've been a remodeler at all you know what's likely to go wrong and what i tell people is how many Remodel jobs have you done? And they say, a thousand. Say, how many has your typical customer done? This being in the uh, remodeling mm-hmm. side. None. So who knows what's going to happen <laughs> and who doesn't? And, of course, it's you, uh, Mr. Remodeler or Mr. Remodeler, that you, you've you seen all these things. And put them down. Put the common ones down. Yeah. And don't be afraid to bring those things up because – Everybody knows and says that what you want to do is under-promise and Mm over-deliver, right? And what you're doing if you gloss over things is you're over-promising with a great likelihood that you're going to under-deliver when something goes wrong. So stick your chin out and do it. Uh, One thing is good customers see that as professionalism. Yeah. They they just do. Yeah. And And if they want to push back and argue and negotiate unreasonably, then walk away. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to move on to, you know, the differences in, um, you know, amount of work that happens and the consistency of it, but also uh, 
the margins that come mm-hmm. along with it. Uh, what I hear from a lot of remodelers that are working directly for builders and GCs is that uh, it keeps them busy, that they're, they don't have to worry about cash flow, that there's always a job coming in and always a job going out. It keeps their, their employees busy and that keeps them happy. Um, but if they sit and they look at the margins, they're not necessarily keeping all the profits, mm-hmm. right? And with the people that are working directly with the homeowner, sometimes you'll see their net margins are two, three times as much by working with the homeowner directly and cutting out the builder from that process. And so we've talked about this before where don't worry about the top line, don't worry about the jobs coming in. Sometimes you'll waste a lot of time just doing the builder's work because it keeps you busy, but it's not necessarily the most profitable. Well, I've had uh, not remodelers, but electrician comes to mind where they were doing wiring new houses because the cash flow was so good. And they had like five crews doing it because they got paid every Friday. Mm-hmm. Well, if you weren't wiring the houses, you wouldn't have had the expenses that you needed that money for. Yeah. Right. So it really, I, I kind of, I get it. It's fun to make a big deposit, but if in getting a deposit for a hundred dollars, you're going to write $110 worth of payroll checks. Mm-hmm. You really haven't done anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's our recurring theme is yeah. it isn't sales. It isn't margins. It isn't profit. It is cash into more cash. It takes sales. It takes margins. Yep. It takes profit to do that. But if you're just trying to gen- jump all the intermediaries and put out a hundred and get a hundred back, <laughs> then what are you really accomplishing? Yeah. Especially if uh, a holiday falls on Friday and you don't get that Friday check. Yeah. You still got to pay the guys. Right? Still got to pay the guys. Yeah, that's right. So. And I think you know. For a lot of people, they they understand that, and maybe it's the first time they really thought about it like that, where it's like, oh, man, if I go directly to the homeowners, I have a huge opportunity right. to make some more money. But they don't realize that it's actually a completely different process. The intake process is something that you have to worry about. What happens when five homeowners start calling you? Are you going to be answering the phone? Right. And what happens when you have 10 jobs going with homeowners at the same time? Who's doing customer service? Is that you on the job? And there's just different things that you have, not just with aligning expectations and doing education, but the process is actually different. Where with the builder, you've worked with them for a long time. You know the neighborhood that they're in. Well, builders, let's take a framer, for example. It's it's not manufacturing, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. And what makes manufacturing different than contracting is scheduling and jigs, mm-hmm. if people know what jigs are once you build something and you're building more or less the same thing all the time you can lay out processes and yeah. fittings and you know structures yeah. and you lay the boards in there nail them up and everything goes real fast so uh and once you've been a contractor a framer let's say uh the lumber package arrives and it's not exactly the same plans but your guys learn how you know you there's get a system. systems and process yeah when you're working with people and people, consumers, directly, and you're going into their house, you have schedules and you have misunderstandings and you have somebody at home because they got COVID, don't come today. We let the dog out. Yep. You just have a, a hundred things. And so just for conversation's sakes, remodeling and margins should be more. Should be more. Yeah, you're dealing because with more. Because you just have more to do and your work becomes less 
building a structure, then maybe half is actually doing the work. The rest of it is the communication, the selling, the marketing, yep. the, the placating an irate customer, the explaining, the education, all those things. Whereas you avoid, not completely, but you can avoid a lot of that when you're B2B with a builder yeah. and doing the same thing pretty much over and over and over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, you mentioned the marketing there, and that's a, a big difference um, that we haven't really gone too deep into. But, you know, a website for a builder, they want to see that you're real. They want to see some of the projects that you've worked on, maybe the logos of some other builders you've worked with. I'm just thinking about a bunch about of framers it. I know of tangentially, and I doubt any of them have a website. Exactly, and you don't right. even have to have a website. Right. But, I mean, in some cases, it's it's helpful to make sure that your bid is... You know, especially if you're no, newer, no illegitimized. It's illegitimized one step you. above the, the five guys who don't have one. Exactly, exactly, and so that can be helpful, but you don't absolutely need one. Right. But it's it's nice to have. Um, you really need to be going out and getting in front of builders. You've got to be putting out bids. That's going to be your marketing. You've got to go and drive by job sites, try to meet them, go to GC expos and stuff like that to be able to get in front of them, so that you can start building that relationship. That's your marketing. That's your bid is your marketing most times when you're working with the builder. There are other things that absolutely matter, but that's going to get you most of the way. It's not necessarily the case with homeowners, right? right? It's like you said at the beginning, it's an emotional thing for homeowners most times. And so if you can appeal to those emotions, if you can solve their, help them solve their problems, help them achieve their goals and take advantage of opportunities, that's what's going to really help them want to work with you as far as marketing goes. Your website needs to speak directly to homeowners. It isn't about, we've been in business for this long. I hate seeing that right. on a website. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, it can be a note down at the bottom. Sure. If but they're researching. Yeah, this is, we have the finest processes and you know, no one really cares about that. They want to see what type of work have you done. They want to know. Social proof, referrals. Exactly. They want to know what you can do for them. They want to know, you know, ballpark reviews, what it's going to price. They want to, yeah, see reviews from past customers, right? That's what's going to help them feel like, wow, this is someone I can trust and I want to call and schedule an appointment with. Um, other things that change marketing-wise uh, is reputation management and public mm -hmm. relations, I think, is what you called it before we started talking. But with the builder, your reputation's your work, and it's, you showing up on time, it's you know you being on budget, not not a bunch of change orders, all those kinds of things. With the homeowner, your reputation management is social media, it's Google reviews, it's all that stuff that's out there on the internet because if they leave a good Google review for, for you, that's going to lead to more people finding you and wanting to work with you. If they leave a bad Google review for, for mm -hmm. you, completely destroys yeah, the old your reputation stats out, out there. there too that people are uh, 26 more times likely to leave a bad review Oh, absolutely. And somebody with a good experience, they're going to get on there and smoke you. Way right. more difficult. And all right. it takes is a homeowner to go live on Facebook and going through and showing yeah. the poor work you did on a job, and that can completely tank yeah. you. We had a client that their salesperson was wearing, it was after hours on the weekend uh, at night, got into a traffic thing, traffic uh, alter altercation. I saw that. Yeah. Got into a traffic altercation on, in the middle of like the country on a back road with a young girl, like an 18 year old girl did tinted windows. So couldn't see that it was a girl, thought it was a guy got out of his car and was wearing the shirt for the company. And the girl went live with 
she was scared, she, to, death. scared to death in her Justifiably car. Justifiably so. Yeah, and the right. guy the guy was like ex-military, massive dude, yeah. and was yelling at her, telling her to get out of the car. Didn't know it was a girl again, but got close enough to the window after like five minutes to see that it was a little girl and got back in his truck, essentially. Yeah. And they started getting calls left and right, people posting, never work with this company. And right. you just can't control it. It's public relations at that point. Yeah. And so... It's very different. Um, they were able to to solve you know the problem and and handle it well, but it was definitely you know Sunday night calls trying to talk to the family, asking them to take the stuff down, seeing what they can do to help, and that's not something you're going to have to deal with with a builder most likely. Right. But it is when you work directly with homeowners. So different things that you have to worry about there. Um, the the other thing I was going to bring up is that case studies are probably some of the most valuable thing valuable things that you can do as a remodeler with homeowners. Because if you can get really great before photos and after photos of the project, if you can explain the story of the homeowner, what the challenge was that they were having or the goal that they had for their space, and really make it detailed and specific and unique to that customer, then talk about the process that you went through, how you solved those challenges, why you decided, you know, if you're doing cabinets, why you decided to do these specific type of drawers uh, with these specific features or cutouts for, you know, a, um, a bar at the kitchen island or whatever it, sounds it is. Sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But you it, know, and that that really is one of the highlights of yeah. the differences. Oh, it's a, because if you your your work becomes more and more and more of that. Even if you hire it done, you have to use it. Yeah. As opposed to just being in the you know just, exactly putting boards together or building something. And it's different for, if you don't, if that's not who you are, the direction you right. want to go, definitely don't work with homeowners, but recognize that if you... Or have somebody who does. Exactly. In your interface. But if that's something that you're going to do, this is, those are the things that are going to be valuable right. to you. Um, but yeah, building that case study out where you have really great photos, maybe even a video interview of the customer, and then you can use that on your website to tell a story that's impactful to future buyers and helps educate them about what it's like to work with you and how you can make a difference for them on this project. That's something that can then be shared out through social media, all those kinds you of know, things. You know what, just asking you this, um, I have a client who's looking to go into another city. And so I got on the internet just to see how many of competitors were in the other city. And there were a number of them. And one or two had good websites, but the highest number of Google reviews I saw was seven. <laughs> and this is for a residential contractor? Yeah. Wow. And the rest, I mean, there were two, there were, there were a couple of sites. Somehow they show up in Google search, but they mm -hmm. don't have a, they don't have a website. I mean, they show up in a little box. Yeah. Yeah. Little, yeah. Map but, pack. Yeah. Map box, but they, they even have a website. Yeah. I thought, holy cow. So. People listening who maybe don't have Google reviews, here's a challenge for today. Go get one today. Go get one. Go get one. Go get hey, five. Do you know? Well, of course, but just go get one. Because, see how difficult it is. Yeah. It, even the people who loved you. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, you got to figure out, you got to make it easy for them. Yep. And there are softwares that do that, but you can do it yourself. How do you get the link that takes them right to the box and yeah. send that to them? Yep. And then say, please, they go, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And they don't they don't do it at all and i don't mean because they really hate you but they oh, i don't know what to say or yeah whatever that's why they're so darn valuable it's because they're hard to get yeah if you get out there i have a former client 
has almost 2,000. This is a, an Oklahoma City area company. We're mm-hmm. not, yes, well, if you got a 4.9 review with two, or average star review with 2,000, 2000 that's a lot. real. Yeah. That's who you are. Yep. If you got a five star review with five, and you look on there and they all have the same last name and it happens to be yours. <laughs> but I mean, you kind of going, oh, that's good. But you get to 50 or 60 and and it makes a huge Well, you, you really want those reviews to be real. Uh, and what I mean by real is not just that a real person put them, but that they're very specific and detailed. Right. And you want to reply to every single one. Right. You want people to reference a specific problem that you solved in that review. Oh, we worked with three other contractors before this and it was a nightmare. These guys were perfect. Right. They they Some people answered the phone. Yeah. They helped us with all of our problems, and they finished on time. I I, I wouldn't recommend any other contract for this type of job or contract. And, and to tie it back to our topic of the difference between working with builders and working with homeowners, is a builder probably hasn't looked at your Google reviews. Yeah. I mean, they know. Yeah. If they're mad, they're mad. They've or if called the other builders that you've probably yeah. worked with and I seen. mean, when you first break in with somebody, nowadays, just show up and you can break in pretty much. But yeah. they're not nearly reviews and that type of social proof are not nearly as important yeah. um, as, it, as it is when you're working with the general yeah. public. For sure. And I think there's some traps that you can fall into with homeowners as well. There's Because there's a lack of understanding of how to target homeowners directly, uh, there becomes a lot of wasted time and money on the on these things. There was a question. There's a Facebook group, Contractors Helping Contractors. I honestly don't really enjoy being in Facebook groups, but this is one that I'm in, and I think there's some valuable stuff that's posted. But someone asked me a question uh, in the Facebook group, or someone asked a question, I replied to it, I should say. And um, I wanted to kind of just read through this just because I think it's fairly valuable. Um Let's see here. So the question was, what's your go-to source for to generate leads as a remodeler? My partner and I have been business going on eight months and doing good with just referrals, door knocking, and vendors, but wanted to step it up a notch. Uh, doing our first 400,000 quarter, so we're definitely looking to scale and find the best way to reinvest back into the business. Um, and what tends to happen here is, you know, I don't want to even just looking through some of the comments. Everyone's saying, oh, do SEO, do this, do that. And, hey, I can help you with SEO. Uh, and search engine optimization is great, but that's not necessarily what the most impactful thing is. And what I like, what I told this guy is what I recommend first is to start where you're winning. He said that he, most of it's just referrals and door knocking and vendors just double down on that. A word of mouth referral program is huge. If you can get people to consistently send more referrals to you, it's not going to cost you nearly as much money. Your processes are already optimized for getting referrals right? You're not set up to start checking your email for leads that are coming in through SEO necessarily, but you're really good at when someone sends that text or calls in that you're ready to go. Yeah. Right? They're, they're warm leads and they're in it, in essence, pre-qualified, yeah. pre-qualified too, because very likely the referring source told them what they paid exactly and saw what they got. So they're not thinking I'm going to get a $27,000 pool. Yeah, exactly. And it, the, the cost is just hardly extra compared to some of these other things. You can go and hire an SEO firm for thousands of dollars. And really, you only needed a couple jobs a month more to be able to do something. And there's no guarantee that that SEO is actually going to help, mm. right? And if you have a really bad website, it's not really worth investing right. in the SEO because the SEO is pointing to your website, right? 
Um, the next thing I told them is just document your happy customers. We just said, said that, but getting Google reviews, taking photos of jobs before and after, building out case studies, you know, taking video, posting all that stuff to social, having on your website. If you're able to document those, whenever someone does refer you and they go and visit your website, now you have a really good process of qualifying them and educating them and aligning those expectations. Um, and then once you have all that in place, if you're like, man, we've got a really good foundation, we're optimized for people to come to our website, see exactly the kind of work we do, what it costs to work with us, what the process is, the types of jobs that we work on, and they can qualify themselves through our website, but we're just not getting enough referrals word of mouth. We're getting four a month, and that's great, but we want 20 a month. Okay, well, if you have the actual capacity to do that amount of work, now you start looking into running some Facebook ads. Now you start running, uh, going and looking into doing some SEO, uh, getting a lot more Google reviews, running ads on, on Google local services, those kinds of things. But if you don't do it in that order, you end up wasting a lot of time mm -hmm. and a, probably a lot of money too. And you just don't get the results that you expected. Giving them a takeaway today, what, and I'm ambushing you because we didn't talk about No, this. go ahead. What's a great strategy for a referral program? So there's, there's a few that are out there. One that we've set up for people before is every single job that you finish, making sure that you hand deliver a note, right? And whenever you, and on this, it's an envelope, you've got a, a, a card in there um, that says thank you, whatever, but then it also has this piece of paper that's well-designed and short, brief, but really packed with information and also a gift card. And so two things happen. One, you're handing the envelope and you're saying thank you, but you're also asking for the Google review at that moment because the job's done, you're face-to-face -face with them, there's a little bit more social pressure to be able to that, oh, wow, they just asked for this. They've sent me the link. It's on my phone and my text messages right now. And I should go and do this because they asked and they said it would mean the world to them. And they just helped me with this project, right? That's a, that's a really good time to get the review. But in that envelope, you've got a gift card to their favorite restaurant. Again, this is for companies that are doing jobs that are, you know, north of $10,000 on the small side, mm -hmm. right? Where, yeah, we can buy them. A, we can get a $50 gift card to their restaurant and build it into our quote if we want to do that then you've got a gift card to a restaurant that they like and ideally you've asked earlier in the process where they like to go eat or you've you know maybe looked at some of the material like maybe they have a cup from somewhere inside their house and uh you get them a gift card to there and you say thank you so much for this project it's been a, it's been a wonderful experience for us and honestly we want to work with more people that are just like you and we actually have a referral program if you refer someone you have whatever the offer is you can say- That's what I'm asking you too, kind of what are yep, some of the offers? Yep. So that's how you kind of present it. Some of the offers that we've seen people do is, hey, we'll, we'll give you uh, another gift card to wherever you like. We Sometimes Amazon gift cards are really helpful because everyone shops there. Um, there's other things that you might be able to do depending on what type of service you're offering. Um, for example, if you're doing something in the landscaping or whatever it is, uh, that's what we were talking about, or one of the clients that we've set it up for, you can have, hey, we, we go in and we bring in a nice pottery that fills your backyards with plants, right? It's, a, it's an addition to what your package didn't come with. And it's something that we'll do free of charge if you refer someone that closes a deal. Um, so some sort of add-on to your service, you can do a gift card. Um, another thing that you can do is you can say, hey, we'll come back and we'll 
do a free cleaning or maintenance or some sort if you get a if you give a referral. Um, and you can also say, hey, we'll give a $500 discount or whatever it is to the person that you refer, right? Or they can also get this package so that it's a win-win. And so now when they refer someone, it's not just say, hey, you should use this person. It's like, hey, if you use this person, they do this upgrade free of charge, right? And that's those are usually things that work pretty well inside these referral programs is, you know, doing it face-to-face, -face, asking for the referral, but also having a really clear note with a gift card that says thank you. Um, and then having an upgrade of some sort or some sort of benefit that goes to both the current customer and the future customer. Yeah, talking about that on uh, benefits, <clears throat> discounts do work. I mean, we're, we're paying for that lead. One of the things is if a benefit can have a perceived value. Yes. As opposed to a, an identifiable value. So if, like you said, a really good idea, a giant pot. We've got some pots that five feet tall in our backyard. Well, four feet tall, five feet tall They're in our backyard. They're expensive. Well, you, yeah, if you go down around here, and they cost a grand. Yeah. But I know where you can get them, about 250 bucks. Exactly. You have to drive over there to get them, but you can do it. And so you you give them a giant pot mm -hmm. and, you know, valued it at $1,000, or even valued it at $2,000 because you delivered it, whatever. Yeah. So it has a high perceived value, but a, a low actual cost. Mm -hmm. And just in passing to, we talk about trying to, whatever it takes to create raving fans, mm -hmm. That that's a little bit of a hackneyed phase or a phrase that's been used a lot. But it, it's a good idea. How do you really create a raving fan? And I define a raving fan this way. Somebody, you're going over to your buddies and you're gonna play cards, right? Yeah. And Somebody at the table says, hey, do you know I get a remodeler? And they go, yeah, I do, right? Mm -hmm. And give them your name. A raving fan goes to that card game and says, hey, before we deal, does anybody here need a good remodeler? Because I got a guy. He brings it up. He's brings such it a up fan, and, yeah. right? And that, of course, isn't just because of a gift we gave them or anything. It's, it's the whole process it's the whole, where yeah. they understood what was going on. They communicated. They told us the bad news just like they told us the good news. Uh, things happened the way they, they said. They did what they said they were going to do. And then they closed it out with yeah. a walkthrough or whatever. So it's a general behavior throughout the process. Uh, but a, a, final, a final offer or a final gesture at the end where you actually ask for a referral or ask for reviews, that's how you, how you get them. Yeah. You don't just assume they're going to do it. Absolutely. And another thing, this is a good example, um, whenever you're doing a referral program, especially for direct to homeowners, you have to recognize that for most homeowners that are investing in remodeling their house, they tend to have people over to their house. They tend to host. Right. A lot of times they're remodeling the kitchen so they can't host. So, they're so you want to the burn your logo into the countertops, right? Yeah, you just want it to be huge logo front yeah, and center of the island of the kitchen. Now, but there's things that you can, one, if you're doing a really good job, people are going to see the work you've done because they're over at the house and they're in probably the same demographic as the customer you just serviced because they're coming over to the house and they're friends, right? But you can do things that stand out inside the house. Um, you know, for a countertop company that we work with, it's cutting boards that have the logo in the bottom corner, but they're really nice cutting boards. They do, you know, different surfaces like quartz and granite, and they'll do a matching cutting board 
that's the same surface type and it looks really nice, right? Um, for an outdoor company that we worked with, they did uh, chimeneas, right? Mm-hmm. That had a little, uh, and they also put these like silver, nice plaques that have their logo on mm-hmm. the items that they do outside. Not to where they're overbearing, but they're there in case anybody needed to maintenance what they did or if right. they wanted to see something. Uh, and those are, are great ways of getting in front of the people for very cheap that are in your target market, obviously. Yeah. So um, those are some good examples. Well, I think it's pretty obvious they didn't need us to tell them. I think that there's quite a little difference between working with builders and working with directly with the homeowners. Huge difference. Different expectations, different repeat business, different margins, different marketing strategies, uh, different uh, education mm-hmm. levels. Um, but it either either business can work. But if you want higher margins and you're willing to do the marketing mm-hmm. and the, I don't want to call it babysitting, but I will because I can't think of another word, of people who don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, and you have the temperament for that. Yeah. Because if you slam the phone down, call them, or call them idiots and slam the phone down, kind of kind of screwed up, you know? Yeah. You have to be able to. It's it's it can be absolutely worth it to go directly with the yeah with the homeowner. And there's people that are frustrated in the current state that they're in. They are currently working with builders and they're frustrated by, you know, how low their bids have to be to be able to win jobs and stuff like that. And like, man, I think I'm going to go direct to homeowners. Well, take a second look. Make sure that you know what you're stepping into before you say, you know, screw the builders. Right. Let's make sure that we're prepared to go direct to homeowner. And be aware of what might help you with your current place that you're in working mm-hmm. directly with builders. If you're directly with homeowners right now and you're like, man, I just want more consistent work. I just want to, you know, wire the homes every and get paid every Friday, right. right? Be sure that you know exactly what you're getting into with builders. Right. You know, don't don't think that and relook at how you're working with homeowners right now. Are you doing some of the things that we talked about today? Are you optimized for working with homeowners? You know, are you charging enough? Sometimes you're charging what you charge the builders to work with the homeowner right. and it's not worth it at that point to take on all that extra work. So, lots of things to consider with where you currently are and where you're hoping to go as well. Yes, sir. And then you get days like today where it <laughs> sleets and you can't do anything. Can't do anything. And you listen to the cash flow contractor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I guess you can do something. Yeah. That's it. Well, thanks for chatting, Martin. Yeah. Um, good luck with your coffee. Yeah, I think Starbucks is closed. I don't know where I'm going to get coffee today. <laughs> I have to go find a source. Thanks for listening to the cash flow contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.